If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. The past few weeks at our church, we've been talking about going to the next level in our life and what exactly that looks like and what kind of steps we need to take um, in order to do so. And you know, I, I gave this example and I, I think it really sums up what we've been talking about over the last month. And life seems to be, as we become Christians and we grow in our faith and God gives us more and more, it, it's sort of like a Jenga game. How many of you guys have played Jenga? Jenga, it's all the blocks and it's the tower. And, uh, you know, it starts off pretty easy, right? Everyone sort of starts off and it's one of those like, okay, but as you progress in the game, you know, you take one block off from the bottom and put it on the top. And, you know, at the beginning, everyone's really calm and everyone's cool. But if you're like my family that has, like, type A personalities, Italian, Hispanic blood, we start yelling at each other at about level four up, you know. And, uh, you know, the intensity, you can hear a pin drop, at, you know. And it seems like that's what life is, right? You know, at the beginning, it seems everything's cool and calm and collected. But as God gives us more and more things to do, we have to be a lot more purposeful, as we take those blocks out and put them up, as God continues to grow us as believers, we have to be more and more careful on how we build our lives. And so this morning, I want to sort of take a few minutes and I want to talk about simplicity. Now, that doesn't exactly mean slow down. That doesn't, you know, a lot of times when we think of simplicity, we think few or not hard. And that's not necessarily true. Simple doesn't mean that it's easy, simple means it's followable. And so I almost wanted to change the title this morning to maximize, but I think for the purpose, and as we get into it, I think you'll see why it's important that we keep it simplicity. As godly people in the Bible became more productive, they had to figure out these three things. The first one is, what does God really want? And the second one was to shut off those things that are not important. And then the third thing is maximize those that, that are important. Maximize the things in your life that are important. We see this in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, you should be in Acts chapter 6 right now. If you're there, shout, good morning. Good morning. Awesome. We're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, you'll just have to believe me that this is Acts chapter 6. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, that's the, the Jews that adopted uh, the Greek language and culture. They were still Jews, but they adopted a different culture. Among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Verse 2, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose men, seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, verse 4, and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, um, Nicanor, Timon, Parmaeus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Verse 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, quickly turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, um, the second book of the Bible. I lied. Turn to Exodus 18. I mixed that up there a little bit. 
We see this throughout the Bible, this, this issue of men of God, women of God, people of God, um, God using them in such a way that, that they need other support, they need other things, they need to really refocus what they're doing. And we run into the same instance when um, Moses um, has a sit-down with his father-in-law. So you should be in Exodus chapter 13. Wow, I am butchering this thing today. That's amazing. How about we go to chapter 18, verse 13? How about that? My numbers are all jumbled. All right, verse 13. The day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do, you judge, why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me and seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide the parties and inform I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What are you what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. Verse 21. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves, that will make your load lighter because it will share, they will share it with you. Verse 23, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. So we see this throughout God's word. You know, I, I used to think I was really special in that, you know, I, I, I got saved when I was about 19 years old, and I was one of those people, I just dove right in. I was like, I, I grew up in church, I was always involved in church, and, and I, I was president of, of my youth group growing up as a kid, but knew nothing of what God really wanted and desired so that I could have a victorious life and um, ran through incredible struggles. I, I attempted suicide when I was about 16 years old. Um, just an incredible strife and depression and, uh, you know, did drugs and, and, and just the, the whole nine. I mean, everything that God didn't want me to do, it, it seemed like I was just on that path. And needless to say, just absolutely on the road to destruction. My, my father's an assistant pastor at his church in Chicago, and a lot of times when he tells my story, he, he tells them, I, I expected my son to be dead at 30. And I'm, I'm 31 now, so I, I've made it a year more, so I'm sure my dad's really proud of me for that one. Uh, <laughs> exceeded his expectations. Um, but as I became a Christian and, and I dove in, I started going to church 
you know, I, I just got involved in everything. It was like, if you ever seen that, I forget the movie. I don't, I don't know if it's any good or not, but it was like the one where he says yes to everything in the movie, and I think it's like, yes, man, okay. And, uh, man, I just became that guy at church. The, they needed an usher? Yes, I'm here. If you need uh, youth help, yeah, I'm here. You know, the the uh, announcements, I was like taking notes. What am I doing next? I, I'm getting at this thing, you know, and I, I just got involved. Like six days a week I was at church. You know, and I, and I worked. I was in the military at the time. And so, I mean, every night it was just something going on, doing something. And, uh, I mean, even right now, I, I have three different jobs. He was saying I, I have, you know, I pastor a church. Um, I have another ministry, and I'm a part-time owner in a business. Some of you may be like, I have two kids. You win. You, you probably do more than I do. I, I watched two kids the other day. It was unbelievable. Like, we don't have kids. And so it was just like, I don't know how you guys with kids do it. But I, I, I have a feeling I'm not special. I have a feeling everyone in here, you know, who has an active, busy life, that God's working in them and telling them things to do, you feel at times incredibly strained, like Moses or the disciples. That's good people to feel like, yeah, I've, you know, a lot of times we feel weak. You know, when we feel like I, I just have too much on my plate, there's too much going on in my life, we feel like almost ashamed, right? We seem to be like, because why? Because we can't handle it. Well, it, it's too much, you know, and... and I don't know about you, but for me, like, the pride jumps in, and I'm just like, no, I got this. I got this. You know, I, and then my wife will be, you know, I'll wind up sick. I work myself to the point where it's like, I can't, you know, I was planning on going here Saturday, but I think I'd rather spend 14 hours in bed. I think that sounds a little better than, you know, doing whatever I planned on doing today. What happens? We work too hard. We, we go at life in, in such a way where, where it's destroying us. And, and you may say, well, I, you know, I don't mind being called like Moses or, or the apostles. That seems like a good thing. And so what did they do? They found out what is important to them. And I'd ask the same thing of you. I, I, I always, this is why I don't do PowerPoint, because I always end up switching things on people. I'll, I'll be good, okay, just because the PowerPoint people will hate me. Um, I'll be good. I'll stay in my notes. Um, let me give you this next one. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? I heard it like this a little while ago. I thought it was really good. It says, if you do not pay attention to what deserves your attention, then what doesn't deserve your attention will get more attention than it deserves. If you don't pay attention to what deserves your attention, then what doesn't deserve your attention will get more attention than what it deserves. Don't ask me to do that again. That was hard. <laughs> what's, what's your purpose in life? What are, what are you called to do? What has God specifically put in your heart? We're all incredibly unique. Um, you know, I, I always joke, there's like 17 black people in all of Santa Fe. You know, we're just not very diverse when it comes. And, and like in the last six months, God has blessed us with like three black people in our, in our church. And uh, it's been cool. I feel like, man, we've been really diverse. And uh, we, we've just been so, you know, in, in Santa Fe, you know, just the, the wealth divide you know, I, I've worked on Canyon Road selling artwork where there's people's, like, fourth homes and stuff like that. You know, and, and we've had people like that come to our church who are just multi, multi, multi-millionaires. And then we've had people who are homeless and, and don't have literally a quarter in their pocket. We're, we're all so different. And in this, in this I, I think God did it on purpose. He absolutely did it on purpose. Just look at the different species of ants there are. Look at the different types of anything out there, flowers. It's unbelievable how different God has created us. And you know what? That's a good thing. 
Why? Because you can do something that no one else can. Now the question for you is, what is that? What has God created you for? And if he's created you for that, are you doing that to the best of your God-given ability? Or are you distracted with junk? And I'll tell you right now, it's real easy in this world to get distracted with junk. And as, as we see here with Moses, as we see here with the disciples, you know, they, they came to a point where they said, we can't wait tables anymore. We can't handle every little issue that's going on in front of me. I, I need to delegate this stuff. I tell my church all the time, I'm doing a great job as pastor if I'm delegating everything that can possibly de be delegated. Why? I'm the shepherd. They're the sheep. I, doing, they do the work of the church. There are times in our church services where there are more people in the worship team, on the sound and audio, in, in the children's church than there are actually in our congregation sometimes. So, when, you know, you think in a lot of churches when I told them, hey, we're going to shut the doors of our church for a day and we're going to come to another church and we're going to worship with them. They were like, praise the Lord, a day off. We can actually sit in church and do something. I, I thought I was going to get pushback. They were like, you mean we get to like sit here and then go to a barbecue after? We're in. This is great. Um, so I, I just I encourage you guys, if, 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 if you, what is your purpose in life? Where are you standing on? What are you doing? You know, how I became a Christian, I told you, I, I went to church my whole life. I probably missed five church services my whole youth. And uh, when I became a Christian, when I was about 18 years old, God spoke to my heart in such a way that he said, you say you believe all these things, but you do things completely different. If, you, if you're going to say you're a Christian, then do what you say and say what you do. Stand, stand on what you say you believe and do those things. And, and so it revolutionized my life. You know, and, and that was really the big change. My beliefs didn't really change. I understood some concepts of the Bible, but what the real change was, was doing what you say and say what you do. And I'll tell you right now, a lot of times we have good intentions, but what happens is we say we believe and do all these things. We say these things are important to us, but we don't put the proper priority where it should be. And I think that's what we're learning here with Moses and with the apostles in the book of Acts is what were their main priorities and we need to stick to those things. You may say, well, if I don't do this, no one will. Well, then maybe God doesn't want it. Maybe it's not important. Maybe you should let it die. Or who knows, maybe you think this thing will go. There's been a lot of times when I've had to like reprioritize my life and I said, you know what, I got to let this go. This thing has just been a distraction to me, although I love it personally. It's something that, that doesn't hold on, you know, to the main principles of my life. And I've let it go, and you know what happened? God raised someone up, and someone came in and said, you know what, Pastor? I've really thought for a long time this is exactly what I was supposed to do, and I just didn't want to ask you because I, I knew you really liked it. I've been grinding myself to the ground doing this thing for eight months, and there was someone sitting there waiting to do it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Take a step of faith and let go. You'll, be, you'll have so much more time to do other things that, that are truly valuable to the kingdom and are things that only you can do. The next one part of this is, okay, so how do, how do we go from here? And so a lot of organizations do this, but I, I've taken this on in my own life. Um, and, and the question is, what, what is your mission statement? 
you know, how many of you guys, you've been in an organization of, uh, I don't know why, but every Sunday I seem to be um, in the McDonald's mode. I'm always like, do, 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 I'm loving it. And, and that song gets in my head every Sunday. I don't go to McDonald's every Sunday, but it's just, for whatever reason, why? It's, it's their little catch song. It's their, you know, and, and what's, what's their whole point in life? It's to make you love it. Right? Everything about it. They got the little kids' games out in front, the big kids' games. They got the toys. They got, you know, the really good food that's not good for you. Um, all of those kind of things. And, and so that's their whole mission in life. So I had to ask myself, I think we are way past this. I really do. But I'll give it to you anyway. That's okay. What, no, go back to that. I'll, I'll, I'll go on that. See, I told you I never do PowerPoint, and this is exactly why I never do PowerPoint. Three, three things that you guys can do to simplify your life. First one is, what am I doing? What am I doing in life? You may say, Chris, I have no idea what I'm doing in life. I made my church, and you may say made. I gave them homework, and I check on their homework. I actually do this. Uh, I said, where's your calendar? Really successful people in life keep a calendar, keep an agenda. What are you doing with your days? What's important? I, I guarantee you, if, if you care about money at all, you know how much money is in your bank account right now. Within $5, within $10, within $50. If you care about money, you probably have a good idea what you have. If you care about your time, which I'll tell you right now, it's a lot easier to get money than time, you know what's going on in your time. You have some kind of a calendar. You have some kind of an idea of what's going on in your life. And you schedule your priorities appropriately. If you say your family is important to you, how much time are you spending with your family? You know, my dad is, is a big workout guy. He works out like six days a week. And like even on vacation, he's, you know, we were going um, on a trip a little while ago. He's like, do they have a gym at the resort? I'm like, Dad, it's a resort. I'm sure they have a gym. I will not be there. Um, but he loves that kind of thing, you know? And he, every once in a while, he'll ask me, hey, are you working out? And I'm like, yeah, I've missed it the last week or so. He goes, you miss any meals this last week? <laughs> nope, I haven't missed any meals this last week. Why? Meals are important to me. Working out is not. <laughs> it's just a fact of life. And, and I've wanted to make it important, so I've scheduled it into my life. I'm, I'm trying to work out more. Um, why am I doing it? You may be scheduling things in there because you've always done it that way. Your family's always done it that way. Your culture has raised you to a value that maybe isn't important to what God has specifically for your life. What, what are, why are you doing what you're doing? And, and, and as, you, as you go through your calendar, it's sort of like counting calories, right? If you start filling in things of your calendar of what you're actually doing, that's the trick to it, too. You may be like, oh, yeah, I have a calendar, but it, it looks nothing like what life is really like, right? You know, it's um, busted. No. <laughs> start filling it in. As you start doing things and say, the, like, because every morning I have at 8.30 a.m., I, I do my Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish. And, and if I don't do it, I, I've committed to myself, okay, if I'm not going to do Spanish from 8.30 till 9 a.m., well, then I have to change it to what I'm now doing. What is now more important than learning Spanish this morning? So at the end of the day, and by the way, I, I have it on my phone and it syncs with my wife's, whose first language speaks Spanish, so it's sort of important that I learn Spanish. Um, although, thank God she knows English. Um, that would be interesting. If I, uh, if I change it from 8.30 till 9, and I rewrite in there, uh, decided to sleep in more. 
Uh, man, Gunsmoke had a, a marathon this morning. I just really had to watch Gunsmoke. Um, what, what's more important than learning Spanish? And, and you know what? As you start to look at your calendar, you know, spending time with family. No, it was more important that I worked an extra two hours today. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like, hey, there's a special job that really needs to get done, and I'm going on vacation next week. I need to take two hours here. That's fine, but do you know why you're doing what you're doing? It's okay to, to have grace. It's okay to give yourself some leeway. But you should have some accountability there where you're asking yourself, why am I doing this? Why is this important to the greater good? Of my life. The third one is, where do I fit in in all this? So in other words, when, when you're doing what you're doing, why you're doing it, now, how does it fit into this community? How does it fit in with the bigger picture? Am I doing this because I, I really enjoy this and I'm doing it on my own? Or am I doing this because it's a part of a bigger picture? You know, Pastor Ron says that, that he married us. And I wasn't planning on telling the story today, but I'm going to tell this story. Pastor Ron, it, it's sort of like a gazebo. We were in uh, Rio Rancho getting married. And uh, we're stood up there, and he's doing the vows with us. And uh, to paraphrase the vows went something like, and I went first, of course, and you know, to cherish and to hold and to honor and to make you happy the rest of the days of your life. And then he turned to my wife, Kemle, and he said, you know, the same thing, to honor, to hold, to cherish, to protect, to honor him the days of his life. And she said, to honor me the days of my life. And there was a laughter like that in the crowd, and his eyes sort of got big. And she literally went like this to Pastor Ron. She went, just, <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget, you know, for the rest of my life, how am I ever going to forget this? And he looked at me, and I just went, rolled my eyes like, yeah, I know. I, I, I know what I'm getting into. I know what the vows are. Um, I completely understand this. Um, but I'll tell you, when I got married, I thought I, was a, I thought I was a selfless person when I got, before I got married. Then I started living with someone else, and I started seeing, you know, someone and, and how every little thing that I did affected their life. It was amazing of, of the tiniest little things. Hey, if I spent money out of, the, of our joint bank account, and she spent money out of her joint bank account. You know, that money just doesn't spend twice. It's, it was very interesting how all that worked out. You know, or when I would leave things different places, or I would take a set of keys, you know, and travel an hour away, and she'd be locked out of the house because, hey, that was supposed to be left there so that, you know, it was amazing how things affected each other. The same is true in, in the body of Christ. How you live, how you act, how you interact with all of us here affects all of us. We're one big family here. Now, there's some of us that are, are visiting here, but you know what? We're one big family here. In Santa Fe, we're going to see each other at Albertsons, at different places around here. There, there are going to be times when, when we get together and, and hang out together again as believers. How are you living your life? How is it affecting your family? How is it affecting your business? How is it affecting things that you're doing? Are, are, and I'm going to ask you this hard question this morning. Are you the weak link in this chain? And if you are, what are you doing to fix it? This is serious stuff we're in. I have a pastor friend of mine who is at the White House, and he was at a, a, at a dinner, and he was sitting next to this very well-decorated general. And uh, this general had a little bit too much to drink and started telling some war stories. And he was explaining to this pastor friend of mine 
that he lost some guys in battle and it was because of a bad decision that he made. And the guy, you could tell, was torn on the inside about losing some men. And, and when it all boils down, it was this guy's fault. And as my pastor friend was, was leaving the White House and was going back to his hotel, he just felt like the Spirit of God told him, the battle that you're in is far more important than the battle that's fought here on earth with, with flesh and weapons. Guys, what we're doing here what you are a part of here will last for eternity. I don't know most of your names in here, but one day we will meet face to face and we'll know each other's names. And we'll say, do you remember June 2nd, 2013? And it'll be like, of course we do. And, and we'll go and we'll praise God for thousands and thousands and millions and billions of years. What we're doing here on this earth is so incredibly important. Are you muddying it up with other junk or are you really focused on the things that are important? What's my next slide? <laughs> I'm just really curious now. There you go. What's your personal mission statement? So I knew I was on it. Everyone has a, per you should have a personal, a personal mission statement in your life. Why do billion dollar companies like McDonald's have a mission statement? Because they work. They work. Mine's real easy. It's three things. It's to be a lover of God to be a great husband, and to be a servant of people. That's my mission statement in life. That is who I am. That's what I do as a person. If it's not one of those three things, I'm failing in life. And it's in that order. I'm a lover of God, I'm a great husband, and I serve people. And if I'm not doing one of those things, and if I'm not living up to the potential of what the mission is calling for, I need to reevaluate it. If a billion-dollar corporation has a mission statement, do you? What are your three things? What's your one thing? Some people, may, hey, this is the one thing I do. I have a friend of mine, he's in the pro-life movement, and his mission is pro-life. That is what he does. He's not married. He doesn't have, you know, other work. He, that, that's what he does. That's his mission. What's your mission in life? What exactly are you doing? And if you're not sure, I'll tell you guys right now, when this, when this was first given to me, when someone said, what's your mission statement? I'll tell you right now, I was probably like you. I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, I knew what I sort of do. You know, I knew like God purposed me to do some things. But, but can you sum it up? Can you boil it down so that in an essence, when things get hard, when things come up against you, when you have decisions to make, hard decisions, when things come up against you, and, and you have to go, who am I? Why am I here? And what decision do I need to make to go forward from here? Do you have this ready? Do you know your purpose? Do you know who you are? As I wrap this up, I, I just want you to really internalize something. I have one more thing for you. And that's this. Rules are externally applied but standards are from within. Now, what does that mean? What that means is you can create all sorts of rules for your life. You can say, okay, at 8.30, I'm, I'm reading Spanish. Uh, I'm learning Spanish. At this time, I'm spending time with family. At this time, I'm going to really work hard on this project that I've really wanted to get done. And these things are all well and good. A calendar is all well and good. A, a mission statement for your life is all well and good. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, if they're not standards... If they're not something like, this is who I am, 
And this is because of who I am. This is now how I am going to live my life. If you try to apply it to you to try to make your body submit, it won't do it. I'll tell you, your body will get weak. The Gunsmoke Marathon will just be too tempting. You will have to watch it on AMC or whatever channel they played on. I don't own a TV. Um, whatever it is that's going to come into your life, that's going to try to, because I'll tell you right now, the enemy will come and try to distract you. I think it's one of the greatest things we see here. In America, there was a statistic done a little while ago. And it showed that 84% of Americans say they are Christian. If you were to ask them, 84%. However, when they started to look at these people's individual lives and to see if they lived up to biblical standards, do they look like what the Bible says Christians should look like? 9%. 84% to 9%. What is going on? And I'll tell you right now, we're comfortable. There's so much going on. There's so many things to be entertained. There's so many things that became more important than God's word in in our lives. There's so many things that took priority over things that if you were to ask them, I'll tell you right now, when I was 16 and doing really stupid things and, you know, living completely in the world, I, I was saying I was a Christian, If you were to come to me on the street and said, do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? I would have been, yep, yeah, I would have believed it. So what happened? Why was I part of that 84%? It's because I I didn't have my priorities right. I didn't understand that God wanted to bless us through his word. He doesn't give us rules. He tried to give us rules in the Old Testament. Didn't that work really well? But instead, in the New Testament... What happened? Christ came and lived in our hearts. And it's Christ's standard that became our standard. And it's because of this great love that we have for Christ that I now want to change. I want to prioritize my life to please him. I want to change things to bless my family, to be a good husband, to work well, to to, to raise a good standard of living for my family so that they would be blessed. There were some things that changed in me. Why? Was it because God started giving me all these rules? No. I just wanted to bless him. I wanted to please him. I I wanted to change my life in such a way so that when I laid my my head on my pillow at night, I knew that God was happy with me. And guys, you may say, well, what's this all about? Is this about just simplifying so that, you know, my life will be easier? And part of that answer is yes. Yes, it is. I hope your life is easier because of this message, because of this action plan, these three steps. What's important to you? Get the the stuff that's not important out and make sure to maximize on the things that are good. If you put this principle in your life, I hope that your life gets easier for you. You'll start enjoying the things that you do. I was telling Pastor Ron last week that we have a mutual friend of ours in Farmington who had this church, has this church, I should say. And uh, this, this gruff oil guy who was an elder in his church came up to him and said, Preacher, as I don't do a Farmington accent very well, but they have one. Uh, Preacher, if you keep doing the things you're doing the way you're doing them, then in, in four years you're going to be dead. And I'm not, I'm not a preacher, and I'm not taking over this church. So I'll tell you what, um, he was a big executive for this oil firm. And he pretty much said, if you can pay me a tenth of what I get paid now, I could live on that salary till I'm 68 and retire and be okay. So if you hire me now, I'll leave my oil business 
um, and I will run all the stuff for you so you can just pretty much do the book of Acts with the Acts is saying. He handles all the staff. He's the bad cop. The pastor's the good cop. And he runs the show. And their church has doubled in size, more than doubled now. Why? They're both doing what they are purposed to do. And that's what God desires for our lives. He wants us to find our purpose. So I'm going to close this out. I'm just going to ask you guys to bow your heads for a minute. And uh, I just want you to think for a moment. Do you, do you know your purpose in life? Do you know what God is calling you specifically to do? And if not, guys, I, I challenge you right now to make that your number one priority. Some of you say, may say, my life is, is just an absolute wreck right now, and I, I came here because I, I wanted some, some lifting up. I tell you guys, God cares about you and loves you in such a way that he sent his son to die for you. And it was Christ's purpose to do that. His whole life was purposed behind saving your life from the turmoil that it might be in right now. So I just encourage you, whatever's holding you down, whatever's dragging you down, whatever you feel like is drowning you, I encourage you right now to give it over to God. And for the things that God tells you to pick up, pick up. Maybe you've been dancing around it for a while. Maybe God's been trying to tell you to do something for a while. And you've just avoided it because you know it's going to change something you're comfortable with. 